to Victor E. History Podcast from the History Department at Fort Hay State University, home of Victor E. Tiger. Here at Victor E. History, Dr. Manami Guha and Holly Marquis highlight student and faculty research. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Major Ben Peeler, who's an alumnus of FHSU. Ben, thank you for Zooming with me today. Hi, Holly. Thanks for having me. Uh, any chance I get to reconnect with Fort Hayes is always a great pleasure. So thanks. It's good to see you. It's been years. Oh, many years, actually. We won't say how many because that's. Yeah, makes... right. Yes. <laughs> back, back when we were stuffed in that, tiny, in that tiny office, all four of us grad students just like hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. In that very tiny office. Yes. No window. <laughs> Definitely. Before we get into your, your grad school experience, can you tell me a little bit about where you're from and, and why you ended up at Fort Hayes? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Clay Center, Kansas, which is out east by Manhattan. Um, I came out to Fort Hayes um, after obviously graduate high school because I was really interested in going to a school that was small enough to accommodate a more one-on-one -on -one experience while at the same time still had the credentials and the credibility um, to provide me the education I was looking for. So Fort Hayes really fit the bill. And um, when I got out there, I felt very fortunate to have made that decision because it really kind of fit my personality and I really liked it out there. Yeah, it's very much a, an environment where students can connect with teachers and connect with each mm -hmm. other because you may have 12, 15 kids in the classroom. So you decided to pursue a master's in history mm -hmm. for your military career, correct? Right. So it was kind of one of those situations where I had finished the bachelor's in history um, I was waiting for my wife, Sheila, who is also alum um, from Fort yeah. Hayes, to finish up her degree. And I was kind of deciding what I should do during the interim period. So I felt, you know what, I'm going to pursue the master's degree um, to kind of help flush out my resume, um, kind of see what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I went ahead and pursued the master's degree. Um, a wonderful experience, um, as you know. And I was a teaching assistant and all those, all those great things, too. So I got to interact with students. I got to... Um, do plenty of writing, got to do plenty of reading. Um, it, was, it was a really wonderful experience. But then when I was kind of pursuing that education, I kind of had what I would like to call a quarter life crisis where it's like, oh, crud, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, I've been in school now for what, 16 years? Like that's an absurd amount of time to just be learning. And um, I was always very curious, which is what kind of drove me to history as a field. So because in history, you can study literally anything, like, right. like whatever your heart desires, you can just read more about it, learn about it. And there's just something really comforting in knowing that pretty much everything that's ever been done has already been done. So um, studying all that is, was always had a special place in my heart. And so I really wanted something really unique, something really different that would get me um, out into the world to travel, to see places, to do things. And my dad had um, had a career in the military. And so I was really comfortable with that idea. And um, was starting to come around. I really thought long and hard about it, talked with my soon-to-be wife, Sheila, about it. And we decided that a career in the military would probably be a good start. It would really flesh out a resume. It would give me a lot of real-world practical experience. And you know me, Holly. I'm not necessarily like the quintessential soldier guy. So um, I remember it, your preparations for like basic. I remember uh -huh. your... your changing diets and, yeah, and exercising actually you run you know <laughs> like there's there's a lot that went into it that um really kind of changed in a good way a lot of things about me that um I was trying to change anyway 
So um, there's nothing better as far as a forcing mechanism goes for your own fitness than a yelly drill sergeant. But um, so what ended up happening was is once we decided that was the right course of action, I graduated from Port Hayes. I joined the military and I joined the military through a program called the College Option Officer Program. So essentially what that is, is you go to basic training, just like any other soldier who ever joins the army. Um, and then following basic training, you go into officer training directly. And then after about three or so months of that, you get commissioned as a second lieutenant, you get assigned to a basic branch. And I got the chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear basic branch, which was... Helpful. It is a mouthful. So that's why we just call it Seaburn. <laughs> you know, because, you know, the military loves its acronyms. And right. that is one that uh, definitely makes your life a lot easier. But interesting, though, because as a history guy, like I went and do hard sciences as a uh, career field in the military. But that's a that's like a quintessential military thing where they, you know, make the pieces fit. <laughs> so yeah. um, I got to go to some very interesting training in that I learned about how nuclear weapons work. I learned about how um, chemical weapons are employed. I learned how to protect people from those things. I even got to go in a hazmat suit and go splash around in some VX that they nerve agents that they make in Fort Leonard Wood. Um, that sounds really, terrifying. I wanted, I wanted experience. I think that's what I was going to get, but I was, you know, it's, it's very unique. Like I, I don't know a lot of people have had those opportunities and the military really provided that. So that kind of gets me in motion with regards to what my first career kind of shaped up to be. I had never really intended to stick around for very long, but I'm going on 14 years now. So, you know, it's kind of how that happens, I guess. Right. And uh, getting that master's allowed you to kind of fast track the officer route. And it's a, a different way than most people think of a reason for getting a master's degree. No, I think, I think the master's degree um, really prepares a person um, to think super critical, to, to consume a great deal amount of information which when you're learning like a whole new career field is just exponentially important. Um, writing is super important. Um, doing all those different considerations of like synthesizing a great deal of just content down to a usable kind of um, essay or paper or, or think piece that you have to produce, like all that stuff really, really helped a lot. And I think um, what's interesting is I think the master's degree really came into play when I was transitioning careers in the army, um, when I was going from the more basic um, career, initial career in the military to the more sophisticated career in the military, such as now I've transitioned to being what's known as a foreign area officer, where you work um, diplomatic military issues um, around the world. And being able to write and to read and to synthesize information is one of the most fundamental keystone, you know, skills that you have in that career. So I would say that having the master's in history really provided for me a capability that a lot of, I saw a lot of your struggle with. I saw a lot of um, others not really necessarily master as quickly as I was able to. So in that way, I, I credit the master's a lot with preparing me for um, those kinds of, kind of skills, I guess. Yeah. We also managed to have a pretty good time during our oh yeah we were in the program at the same time as you uh -huh. mentioned we shared a 
very small office. Yes. All four of us. Do you have any kind of favorite memories from that time that you want to, that you're willing to share in a recorded fashion? Yeah. So there was a conference that we went to that was really wonderful. Um, I can't remember where we went. Do you remember where we went? Was it Omaha? Yeah, that's right. Omaha. That's right. We went there and I had ordered this very lovely blue drink and all my cohort decided to just make fun of me for the rest of the night for having this really festive, happy, tropical drink to enjoy when they were (laughs) obviously in a sad place in their own lives to not appreciate (laughs) what it was that I was uh, trying to accomplish. But I just remember having a lot of fun adventures, kind of going to New York with the uh, with the posse. Um, the yes, dads. I remember your little chicken nugget that you oh. took pictures with. Yeah, that's right. It's around here somewhere still. No, I think it actually. So we're getting ready to move, and all our stuff is been packed and is actually sent away. So the chicken um, nugget is already on its way to Bahrain. Yes, we're okay. we'll. Maybe it'll make another appearance. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, we went to Denver. We did that trip. Yeah, that's right. Um, you, you know, there was a lot, lot of places with well, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of cool travel opportunities and a lot of cool just like socialization opportunities. Because um, going to such a small school, we were able to like, you know, go to social events with professors, talk more in depth about things, um, kind of get that mentorship that is very important. Um, I still talk to Kim Perez from time to time. Um, she said she actually, hello. <laughs> yeah, she's, she actually wrote a letter of recommendation for me to go to Georgetown, which was another great benefit from this whole army gig. Was they oh, sent got a me, second master's. Yeah, I know. They, they sent me to school again, which was not, I wasn't sad about. And so um, she actually helped me get, get into there, which I'm incredibly appreciative of. Can you tell and, us, tell our listeners about your second master's, what that's in? and Yeah. That? So kind of like what I was explaining, um, once I got into the Seaburn career field, I'm going to use Seaburn from here on out. Hopefully that's everybody good. remembers what it stands for, because <laughs> I don't want to say it again. Um, but after I got into the Seaburn career field, I did that work for a while. Um, I did the key jobs that are expected of you in the Army. I was a platoon leader, which means you're in charge of like a group of about 30 or 40 soldiers and you live, do the best you can in that leadership role um, in Korea, actually, of all places. So I got to travel to Korea and serve there for two years, which was a really wonderful experience. Korea is a really wonderful place. Um, when I was in Korea, I got a real taste for working with foreign partners. I really enjoyed that tremendously, um, working with them, developing their capabilities, um, security cooperation work, which is essentially us and them working together to achieve common goals with regards to how we do security globally. And um, doing that in Korea really kind of set my eye towards what what does my future look like in the army? And so I decided that I wanted to change careers while in the army and become what's known as a foreign area officer, which is like I was saying earlier, a um, essentially a soldier who's still active duty, but works in embassies around the world um, to try and better develop security cooperation initiatives, to work with partners and to build alliances and, and, and you know, kind of be that representative for the Department of Defense abroad. And 
unfortunately, I couldn't do that job until I was about eight or nine years into the service. That's when they allow you to switch over. So I became a company commander. I moved around a bunch more times. I mean, I've been lived in Korea. I've lived in Missouri. I've lived in Washington State. I've lived in New York State because uh, I got to go do this cool broadening job where I worked at West Point for a while. Yeah, and then. Awesome. And then it was like, kind of like going to a national park every day for work. It was kind of wild, but um, I digress. But then I did a company command job um, where I was in charge of about a hundred and some odd soldiers. We deployed that unit to Afghanistan. So that was probably some of the most trying times I had um, while serving in the military. But um, I'm, a lot of good stuff came from that as well. And then when it came time to apply to switch over, I submitted all my stuff and they accepted me into the program. It is a four-year training program where you learn a language, you um, go to grad school, you live abroad for a year to get familiarized with the job, and then you go off and do great things for the Army and for the DOD. So um, when you apply, you make a wish list of what you would like, your background or what area of the world you're going to be focused on, but they, like the military, they will decide for you what you actually get. So... <laughs> I was assigned the Middle East and North Africa, which, you know, I was very happy with because it's a very diverse um, part of the world. Um, there's more than one country I get to go, you know, work, build relationships with. It's not just if I was assigned to Asia and um, I, let's say I was told to learn Japanese, you know, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Japan. But when I get North Africa in the Middle East where they speak you know, different varieties of Arabic, and then they teach you how to speak Arabic, there's a pretty good chance you could work in Morocco. There's a pretty good chance you can work in Jordan. There's a pretty good chance you can work in Oman. Like the, the possibilities are a lot more robust. So I was really pleased with that outcome. So I got to go to Monterey, California. I know it's so I had to suffer there um, for two years learning Arabic, which you know, I will say learning Arabic was probably the single hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. It is a rough, tough language, but um, I came out stronger from it. And after I got to do the Arabic thing, um, I got to go do a, a, a stint at the Pentagon um, in D.C. Uh, as an internship and also to wait out before I could start grad school and grad school. Um, you, they allow you to go to any university you can essentially get into and it still meets their funding quota. So um, it's a cool opportunity. It's actually a lot of freedom, in my opinion, uh, especially from the government. Right. Uh, you get that very often know, from the military. Yeah. You usually get told what to do. But in this instance, it was really go out, do great things, see what comes back. Um, so I applied for the Arab Studies program at Georgetown University and they accepted me. And um, the Army gave me the thumbs up to go ahead and attend. So then I went to the Pentagon waiting for um, classes to start. And then, of course, COVID hit, which then ruins all the fun. Right. And um, I had to, I got to live in D.C., but I had to do the grad program over Zoom. So, which is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, I still got to do that program, which really history was one aspect of my life and now understanding international relations and, and the Arab world became the second part of my life. So um, it kind of fit well together because understanding history 
why these things matter, these long continuous struggles that have occurred. Like if you understand the history of the Arab world, it is hundreds of years of constant struggle that the that it has occurred and it's very complex and there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of different actors that um are part of that story and i think history understanding history how it works how to synthesize it how to read it um how to understand authors point of views their opinions really helped a lot in that program um, just to understand uh, what was going on in such a complex part of the world and then when i graduated from there um, I got to go to Tunisia for a year, which was amazing. That place is really wonderful. Um, aside from a lot of pictures from your wife, which you post on yeah. Instagram, I saw a lot of fun adventures that the two of you had in Tunisia. We, we had a house in Carthage, you know, and got to live by the Mediterranean and the people were wonderful. The food was good. The history was robust. Um, the access to Europe was right there. Um, it was just a really cool thing to do. And another component of this program that I was in was the army wants you to familiarize yourself with the different areas of the world that you're responsible for understanding. So you got to travel to pretty much anywhere in the Middle East and North Africa when able and, and, and funding was available. So um, I have gotten to see all kinds of really interesting places because of this and got to go to all kinds of different um, countries that I wouldn't have ever really thought I'd ever have the chance to visit. So I'm really pleased with how that has turned out. Um, since then, um, since my time in Tunisia came to an end, I got to go to a school here in DC to prepare myself for my next job, which is to be the assistant army attache in Bahrain, which um, is gonna be a three-year assignment. Um, it'll actually be the longest I've ever spent in one place. So I'm gonna be, really interested to see how my cabin fever, I guess it'd be island fever in this instance, <laughs> um, kind of flares up. But um, the opportunity to work with the Bahrainis is going to be really interesting. Um, they are a strong partner that we have worked with for many, many years. And uh, it'll kind of put me right in the heart of things as far as how the Gulf operates. And so being having a chance to see that and being a part of that really kind of validates a lot of the things that... Um, I was trying to achieve coming out of Fort Hayes. Um, and it really kind of helps me operationalize a lot of the training that I've had to do these past few years to get ready for it. So we actually leave next week for that adventure and wish us luck. But I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I think it will be too. I uh, enjoy following along on all of your adventures. I saw pictures of you at the pyramids. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite place you've traveled to? Oh, man. I didn't realize this was going to be a kind of a gotcha podcast, but um, <laughs> I will try to answer that to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I would say that doing the Nile cruise was probably one of the single most life-affirming things I've ever done. Um, so when you go to Egypt, it's a very clearly rich in history kind of place, but there's also a lot of social things that, um, are also occurring. So you see a lot of a lot of things that you wouldn't see on the brochure that is really quite wonderful to to see because the the people there are are a wonderful bunch and um, kind of interacting with them, learning from them, speaking Arabic with them, even though my Arabic's terrible, I was still able to like, you know, talk with them. They thought I was quite the novelty. And um, but on the on the cruise, you know, you would just 
see all these sites and that are so important to just our history as a as a people in general, just the human race. And it kind of helps put all of the things that you study and learn about into a very nice little package, put some perspective on things and not to turn this into like something very ethereal, but. Um, I really thought little... you were going to say a, a specific Legoland, so. Oh, well, those are, <laughs> those are important. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have little Lego things on your desk? Oh, do you have one right here? <laughs> you can't really. Oh, you're like <laughs> you a really... explorer guy. Yeah, I know, Indiana exactly. Jones. So, well, the rest of it got packed. So it is all on its way to either storage or to Bahrain. But I will tell you that it has still been very much a part of how <laughs> I enjoy it, relaxing and unwinding after our day. Well, I have one more really hard-hitting question for you. And that okay. is, do you have a favorite class that you took at Forges? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, you're gonna put me on the spot because sadly, it's been almost 15 years now. So I can't I told you not to say how long it's been because that ages mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say that out loud, too, because I can't even believe it's been that long. But um, yeah, to be in this role now where I'm still in the same building and I go into these classrooms and they're my students now. It's a it's a wild transition. And how I'm going to answer this question is any class that was taught by Dr. Kim Perez is probably my all-time favorite, and I will fight anybody on that. And um, you had some good ones with her. I took. Did you take history of childhood? No, I did not. I, that one was a seminar, and she's teaching it again, and I loved it. I but took the Truman class. Oh, the Truman class time. was phenomenal. That was she really has, great. And then she has unearthed a photograph of us at the Truman wearing the Truman yeah, yeah. shirts that you had made. <laughs> yeah, because you know what's sad is, you know, David McCullough, rest his soul, has passed, but we sent him a t-shirt and he never No, he never, he never responded. I was really he hoping he would like, start doing press appearances in his t-shirt. There was another class she taught. It was the the science course. Mr. Science? That may have been it. I can't remember the exact title. I think if she were to honestly title it, it would be the history of science and all things that she really finds interesting. And that was what I really enjoyed about the class was that it was very passionate. Like it was just very um, obviously well curated and well thought out and covered all the things that you would ever want to know about that topic. And it really shaped because that, because I had to go off and do a thesis after that. And so that really helped shape my production of that thesis. So I pull that out every once in a while because I have to, I, I get to teach historical methods now. So I pull uh -huh. out some of the theses and show yeah. them presentations. So every once in a while, yeah. your thesis still gets perused. Oh, good. I'm glad that the dust gets off of it and, you know, let anyone who needs a sleep aid take it home with them. <laughs> you know, sit back and enjoy. I'm still waiting for Hollywood to get back to me on turning it into a movie, but they haven't. So maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day in the near future. Maybe. Well, Ben, thank you for visiting with me. Definitely keep us up to date on all of your adventures. Mm -hmm. um, if I could add one yeah. thing, uh, just a bit of advice for anybody who is finishing up grad school or their higher education. Um, I would say think outside the box on what it is that you want to do, because 
I will tell you that I would never in a million years when I was an undergrad or even my early days as a grad student have thought that the military was going to be a viable career because my personality doesn't necessarily align with a lot of what you stereotypically think is an, a military person. Right. But I will tell you that um, the military is a diverse group of people. It is from all walks of life. And what makes the military such a what makes the American military such a strong asset is its diversity and its varied backgrounds that come and, and join the ranks. And I'm by no means trying to preach that the military is the way to go. What I'm trying to get after is don't pigeonhole yourself. I would say look for something that you're interested in pursuing and then try to find a means to accomplish that. And for me, it was to travel the world and to see things and to continue to be curious. And the army has helped facilitate that. So I highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, Anybody we're all about not... skill sets. Uh, teaching you mm -hmm. the skill sets to make those dreams come true. And you're absolutely correct about the military. My husband was in the military for 21 years and mm -hmm. talks a lot about the diversity of people he got to meet and places he got mm -hmm. to go. And um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. And so is four days. So yeah, I agree. So and yeah. it's definitely one of those things where you you start somewhere and then work your way out. And I think four days really gave me a lot of perspective on a lot of things. So, Well, it was really good catching up with you. Of course. Good to see you. I will uh, post some informa information about Ben on our website. And uh, you can find us at www.victorehistory.com. That's B-I-C-T-O-R-E.com.